welcome to PD in a Pod, where we will help you unlock the best strategies to create proactive schools. Join our hosts, Stacy and AT, as they journey through the latest professional development topics in education. This podcast will provide practical strategies for building culture, designing engaging lessons, using data to drive instruction, and developing multi-tiered systems of support for every student. Hi, and welcome to PD in a Pod, the podcast where we discuss proactive solutions to current teaching and learning challenges. I'm Stacey Owen-Toms, host and educational consultant with Proactive Ed. Thanks for joining today as we talk with author and former school administrator A.T. Nelson. As in all of our podcasts for PD in the Pod, you'll want to stay tuned for a laugh at the very end with a famous dad joke. So... Welcome back, A.T., former systems analyst for NASA, former school administrator, and now author of the book, Proactive Schools, a step-by-step guide for data-driven instructional cycles. Hi, my friend, A.T. Hey, how's it going, Stace? Glad to be hanging out with you today. Always a good day to be together talking about teaching and learning. So thanks for coming together. So today we're tackling standards. Dun-dun-dun! How we love standards. That just makes us all warm and fuzzy inside when we hear that word, doesn't it? Yeah, I said no teacher ever. But anyway, but we know they are a means to an end and we have to pay attention to them carefully. So let's jump right into this content for today. So we know that standards are something that teachers, um, that is their bread and butter. We're going to live there. So tell me if you would a little bit about your stance on standards and why that's included in this book and how we're talking about standards today. Well, um, standards are exactly what the word implies, standard. Um, when we think about the a standard, we think about a standard of living. Uh, we think about moral standards. Uh, we think about standards being guidelines in terms of how something is done. You need standards to know whether or not you're going too fast, going too slow, whether you're in the right lane or the wrong lane. Um, So standards sometimes might cause us to feel like, oh my gosh, this is not something I want to talk about. (laughs) Uh, But for those of us like myself, that's a rule follower. (laughs) I love me a good set of standards, okay? Um, So that we know where we are going um, and we know when we have arrived. If you don't have standards, then quite frankly, you don't have much of anything at all. Standards give us the foundation in terms of how teaching and learning should look, but standards, quite frankly, when applied to life more broadly, um, tells us how our life should look. Mm -hmm. So when applied in the world of education, if you were to remove standards, you would also be removing equity. Mm. If you were to remove standards, yeah. Would be removing student expectations. Wow. Schools can just do what they want to do. Right. If you removed standards, you would be removing accountability. Mm-hmm. So standards, although it is not necessarily the most popular word, um, standards are what give us all a common language around what students should know and do, regardless of where they're from, regardless of their gender, the socioeconomic background their sexual identity, it doesn't matter. As long as we understand that all students can learn and here are the standards by which we will teach them. 
That is why standards are so important. And so I've always encouraged every teacher in America has got to know their standards. Right. The standards right. are not the curriculum. That's very okay. different. The standards right. are not the textbook. Okay. The standards are what the state or country or industry has adopted as what is to de clearly define what students must know and do. That's what that is. And if we understand that, then the path by which we take to get there may differ, but the end goal remains the same. So what, what are the challenges that you see that face schools um, when we talk about standards-based instruction or standards-based grading? What, what are those challenges? Well, first, challenges, uh, standard challenges, standards are, dare I say, complicated, maybe. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, when you think about standards, first of all, they are um, written for adults, right? Like they were written in adult language. Uh, so when you read your typical standard, um, it can have some words in there that'll make you think twice about what that standard means. <laughs> you know, I, I think about a particular standard that um, that I put in the book for reference. It says, this standard reads, solve multi-step real and mathematical problems posed with positive and negative rational numbers in any form, whole number, fraction, and decimal, using tools strategically, apply properties of operations to calculate with numbers in any form, convert between forms as appropriate, and assess the reasonableness of answers using mental computation and estimation strategies. Now go. <laughs> That's I just think, one standard. Yeah, I, I think any teacher or any person or human would hear that and like their brain shuts off about halfway through you reading that. I'm like, I don't even know what he's saying. It <laughs> sounds like that a teacher in Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah. I don't even know what half of that meant. Absolutely. I'm, solving, I'm not only solving multi-step real life problems, but I'm also solving multi-step mathematical problems. Wait a second, isn't that a math standard? Wasn't I solving, right? Like I'm just confused. Um, so, so one of the challenges that I see, uh, Stacey, is, um, is the standards themselves are written in such a way that they require almost mandate adults to get in a room together to tear apart, to take apart and deconstruct um, what those standards say so that we can really begin to, to get clarity on what those standards mean. Um, so that's a major challenge. And, and when you think about um, that standard and other standards like it, um, you might not get too glued to it because in three to five years, it could change. It, not, it may not even be the same standard. So, so I could spend an adequate amount of time studying that standard and understanding what it means because it is complex in the way that it's written, um, only to find in three years or so that there is a whole new new standard. Um, so the other challenge but besides the... Uh, complexity of the standard is the fact that the standards are changing so frequently, right? So as soon as I get rooted into understanding what a what a standard means, then the state or an industry or someone will say, well, you know, that's what they needed to learn three years ago, but now uh, this is what they need to learn now, right? Um, and that's a very typical thing. You know, I was thinking about a standard from uh, California that talks about solving problems that involve discounts, markups, commissions, and profit. Um, that was back in 2007. Um, now, when you move into 2022, that same standard includes now markups, markdowns, gratuities, commissions, fees, percent, increase and decrease, and percent error. 
Um, so if I started teaching in 2007 and now it's 2022, I've had several iterations of that standard uh, to where I can now, uh, not where, whereas I now don't have a clear understanding of what, what kids need to know unless I've taken the time to continue studying it. So, so not only does it require, uh, standards require through the complexity of those standards to get together as a team and deconstruct and figure out what they mean. Also, it requires that team to meet regularly, right, in order to address the fact that those, those standards are, are always, uh, always uh, changing. Um, and then my third challenge, I got to tell you, and I mentioned this also in the book, is this covered mentality, right? Um, and this cover mentality is this idea that we have so many standards, like so many. It's probably one of the biggest challenges teachers face that we have more standards than instructional days, right? Like, like even if we dedicate the day per standard, we still could not cover it all. But when you have an increase in accountability and state tests that require um, uh, standards as their foundation for the assessment, then there be there there then a pressure uh, gets induced to cover all of these standards before the kids will see them on a on a state test or before they go to the next grade level, and that pressure uh, kind of encourages teachers to a certain degree to uh, lessen the depth, right? To to make the 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 coverage of the of the material more shallow, right? So we're gonna today is the day we learn fractions. Right. Today is the day we learn about main idea. Right. Today is the day we learn about the photosynthesis process. Right. Today is the day we learn about the Civil War. Um, and so we don't we don't really get depth of of knowledge. We we get more of a pacing guide that's driven by the day that we're supposed to cover things. Right. right. And as I mentioned in my time to teach uh, podcast, um, time is limited. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that our students will demonstrate proficiency within each allocated amount of it. Um, so that that cover it mentality forces us to think that each day has to have a different learning topic or a different standard. And that's a challenge for a lot of our teachers. It's huge. Just so much. We talk about it going an inch deep and a mile wide and as fast as you possibly can, 60 miles an hour, just going, 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 because the standards are there and we feel like we've got to go through them and just hit them, hit them, go, 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 because they are um, there are many of them. And they are complex. So, um, so while they're, when you're talking about deepening that understanding as a teacher, how does that equate to our students? How can teachers help the students understand a little bit about the standards and making sure that all the content gets covered and and taught through a certain time frame? Because we are limited in our time. So. Right. Yeah, we're limited in our time. And so that has um, prompted a lot of uh, schools and school districts to talk about this idea of prioritization. Right. So we've got to prioritize our standards um, and that the idea of prioritization is very is rent, uh, is rooted in into truth, which is that we have more standards than we could potentially cover in the amount of days that we have. So it just makes sense to prioritize those standards. Um, the danger, though, the danger in prioritizing those standards um, is that oftentimes that leads us to believe or may lead us to believe that some standards are more important than others, right? Mm -hmm. When you say prioritize, it has an, it almost has a feel to it that there is something more important that we need to do. Um, and that is not the author's intent 
um, when the authors and the researchers came up with that term uh, prior to rise, right, uh, the standards, they were really talking about order. They weren't necessarily talking about importance, right? Um, when you think about priority in terms of order, uh, it's like the first thing that you do today versus the second thing you do today. It doesn't necessarily mean that the first thing that you do is more important than the second thing that you do, right? And there may be strategies you use to prioritize. So for a lot of our schools, um, I have been encouraging them to rethink, retool your definition of prioritization. Um, to focus more on this idea of function, not importance. You see, we have to cover the standards. There's no doubt about it. We have to cover the standards. The question is being asked, though, is what is the strategy we should use to make sure that we're covering the standards with the appropriate amount of depth? And one strategy could be to prioritize the standards to the neglect of other standards, right? So in other words, I'm only going to teach the prior to rise standards. That's all I'm going to teach. Um, well, the issue there, obviously, is that that leaves a chunk of standards that go untaught, right? And this is what we saw during that prioritization movement. We saw that a lot of standards were being taught to the neglect of other standards that 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 were equally important, but they were just not not priority standards. And so, as we've been working with schools and school districts, we've help them redefine prioritization for those schools that are struggling with this and re redefine it in terms of functionality, right? When we think about function, you can think about a tabletop. When you think about a tabletop, a tabletop has a specific function. This is where you can put your dishes. This is where you can put your cup and your napkin, where you can put your nice, juicy, prime steak, right? This is where you can put that meal. And that tabletop, you could argue, is priority right? It is important. Right. Um, however, underneath that tabletop, almost unbeknownst to man, <laughs> are some legs. <laughs> you don't necessarily see them, but they're there. Um, and those legs are supporting the tabletop. They have a very specific function, okay? And you could not, you could argue, I guess, but it'd be a hard argument to win uh, to say that the legs are are, are less important than the tabletop, right? Even though the tabletop is priority, that somehow the tabletop is more important than the legs. Because if you if you really wanted to test that argument out, all you have to do is kick a leg, right? If I kick a leg, then that juicy steak is gonna be on the floor, right? Um, so you find out clearly that the tabletop is just as important as the legs and the legs are just as important as the tabletop. It is not about importance. Say it with me, Stacey. It, it is, is not, not about importance. It right. is about function. That's what it is. It's about function. Yeah. Our standards are created to function together. It is an interwoven mix of tabletops and legs that work collaboratively so that we can efficiently and effectively teach the content for each unit of study at the level of depth that was required for it to be taught in. Wow. Okay, that's clear because you're kicking the back, my leg out, that whole table's going. And that whole table's going down. And everything's going down. Everything is going down. Wow. That's a really good picture. I mean, I can see that in my head, how that all works together and they are equally important and they support each other. So um, with that, how do we as teachers and educators um, have that clarity of those expectations with our students? How do we impart that or communicate that and clear expectations because i'm thinking here's the standard there's no way i'm giving that standard to my oh, student no. in my class because right. they'll lose their love and mind i mean we have a hard time as adults and educated adults to be able to 
to decipher that. So how do I invite my, my students into that? Right. Again, the standards were written for adults. They were not written for students. Correct. So I suggest that uh, classrooms don't have to have the literal version of the standard on their board. That they don't have to communicate uh, to the standard to the students. Excuse me, in that literal way. You know, today we're working on seven dot in dot one. We've all seen it. We've seen it. <laughs> Right. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't think that's necessary. I think what's important is that we communicate students the what, which is a student friendly version of the standard, which is a learning objective, for example, a learning target, which is a rephrasing of the standard written in a way that students understand what the end goal looks like or what some call the what the what. Right. This is what we're trying to accomplish today. Um, however, I've also discovered, Stacey, that the what is not enough, um, that you often need to go deeper than the what, because the what can be misleading. It's not necessarily demystifying student expectations when you just tell them the what. Mm -hmm. um, for example, what a good husband looks like to you <laughs> might be different for someone else, but we're all looking for that good husband. Um, yeah. You know, when I tell you what a dream house looks like to you, well, that what may look different for someone else. There, there may be differences in terms of what the what means, even if it's stated in terms of student-friendly uh, language with learning objectives or learning targets or learning intentions, as they're called. That can lead in and of itself, not confusing, confusion in terms of the objective, but confusion in terms of how the objective is met, you see. The getting the objective met is equivalent for, for me getting in my car, trying to get to the grocery store and not knowing how to get there, right? I, I have a goal in mind. I know that I'm trying to get to the grocery store, but if I don't take certain steps, then I'll never actually make it to the grocery store. I'll be on a windy road, uh, driving over in another state. I'll be miles and miles away, or I may be driving in circles, but I am not going to get to that grocery store unless I have an understanding clearly of the steps that it takes to get to that grocery store. So I've always encouraged schools to not only put up the uh, learning target, but to also include what we call the success criteria. The success criteria is the step-by-step a plan of action that students are going to take to get from wherever they are in the learning journey to that end goal, which would be, for example, getting to that grocery store. What are the steps? When do they need to take that left turn? When do they need to take that right turn? What does that look like? It should describe the how. It is not a chunking of the learning objective. It is a clear step-by-step -step guide to arriving to the learning objective. And we should be absolutely clear about that because that demystifies the student expectations for the students so that when they see that, they can answer those really vital questions that we need them to ask. This is where I am right now. I'm at home. This is where I'm trying to go, to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Now, these are the steps in between that I need to take to arrive there. This is where I'm trying to go. I'm, I'm trying to get an A in this class. Yeah. This is where I am right now. I'm at an F. <laughs> what do I need to do? Well, then these are the step-by-step -step actions that I need to take to get from F to A. When we can demystify that for students, then expectations go up. And as a result, student performance is more likely to go up too. So that's kind of your student GPS as you're talking about. Yeah. So where did, where did they make that wrong turn? Where did they... So it. So, oh, I'm starting... This is starting to make good sense to me. I can hear Siri in the ear right now, you know? Yeah. 
when possible, make a legal U-turn. You know, you're just headed in the wrong directions. These students are on the wrong, on wrong path. We got to get them on the right path. So as our as teachers, our job is to find out where they made that that left when they should have made the right and get Absolutely. them back on the pathway. So, oh, I'm starting to like this piece. Okay, good deal. So when we turn that over to the students, when we give them that GPS, when we give them that, those steps, those clear signals and where they're going from here to there how does that how does that invite that student in and, and give them ownership tell me more about that piece because I, I think that's going to be pretty powerful what do you yeah absolutely i think about um standards-based grading i think about standards-based instruction i think about our responsibility as educators to assign value to um, what students have done um, but i also think about those students in the classroom that are just trying to get clarity on the learning process. And so you have that student in your class and, uh, you know, that's the, the student is that frequent flyer, you know, let's call him Johnny, you know, Johnny's a frequent flyer. Um, and so Johnny's in the class and it never fails. The evaluator comes into your room on that day that Johnny's having a, having one of those days. Yeah. Um, and you start shaking a little bit because you're not sure exactly how the evaluator is going to respond to Johnny. He comes, sits right next to Johnny, right? Always happens. Never go sit by the you know the most proficient kid in the room. It's going right to Johnny. Now Johnny works hard, but he but he has some issues, right? Some some issues that keep him uh, from from staying focused during the class time. Um, and so when the administrator asked uh, Johnny, like you know, what are you doing? That's a typical question. They'll say like, what are you doing? Working on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what is Johnny's typical response, Stacey? You know this. What is Johnny's typical response to that? This or these these <laughs> questions or number nine or whatever you know. Exactly. I'm working on this, a pronoun yeah. to replace the noun of, that describes the actual thing that you're working on, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And then the student, the teacher may look and say, okay, it looks like you're, you know, you're working on context clues or something like that, right? Um, looks like you're working on solving an equation or whatever class they're in. Um, and so uh, they may, this, this, the, the administrator, excuse me, may ask the, uh, Johnny a follow-up question. It may say something like, uh, so Johnny, I see that you're working on solving equations. Uh, tell me, um, you know, what what are you what are you doing well with that? What's going well for you so far? Um, and what does Johnny say? Johnny's a frequent flyer. He's struggling. What do you get from Johnny? What does he say? Yeah, he's like, this is hard. I don't know what I'm doing really, I and I, I don't I don't know where I'm at, and I, I'm I'm a little lost, or or yeah. any various forms of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. My favorite, especially in a math class, is. I'm not a math person, you know, yeah, my, my parents true. weren't good at math, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not a math person either, right? right? And so you see Johnny's working in, in, in there and then you, on that, on the, on the math problem, he's solving that equation or trying to at any rate. Um, and then you ask, okay, so what are you, what are you not so good at? Like, what are you actually trying, trying to get better at? Um, and this is where you get that really general response, you know, like it's not, it's not very specific. It's like, I'm trying to work on everything, right? Like, like, I don't know anything in this class. And then you finally get something like, and this teacher never teaches us, right? You get that, you get that comment. Ears perk up from the teacher, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then lastly, you'll get that, uh, that question that I, I, I ask administrators is, uh, ask, ask administrators to ask was, well, how can the student help themselves, right? That's student ownership. Like, so you ask the student, like, what can you do to get better, right? Um, and so typically, this is what you get from Johnny, you know, simple answer, it's simple question, but you've heard the same answer. It's like, uh, come on, you know, it. I don't know. Uh, I have to work harder. Yeah, work harder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, study harder. Yeah. Uh, come to class. Pay homework. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you get those very general responses. And so, 
Now I want to walk you through that same scenario. And what we're going to do is we're going to replace uh, that the structure or the tool that Johnny has. Um, teacher who has heard these responses and is you know shaking shaking a bit because these are not the responses that lead to a high evaluation. Um, goes over to Johnny and says, I'm going to give you a tool. I'm going to give you a tool. And the teacher places a small index card um, on Johnny's desk. Mm -hmm. And on that index card is the success criteria that her and her teachers and their professional learning community crafted together that describes what Johnny needs, in this case, to solve an inequality. What do they need to do to solve equations even? Um, and it's sitting right there. It has all the steps that it, they need to take. And so that gets them from wherever Johnny is to being proficient, because if he follows those steps to solving an equation, then he will be able to be proficient with that. So on some random day, the administrator comes back into the room and sits down next to Johnny again. Johnny is no brighter, no smarter. Matter of fact, he's still headed over to the, to the principal's office on a regular basis. And the principal or the administrator ask him these questions, and it's the same questions. First question, what are you working on? He looks over to his index card, and on the index card, it says solving equations. Mm -hmm. And he looks up at his administrator, and he can't do much but read, but he's able to say, hey, I'm working on solving equations. Yeah. The next question, Johnny, what are you good at? What are you good at in this class? And so Johnny looks down at his checklist and he's able to point to the checklist of things, the list of things that he needs to do in order to solve equations. And he notices that his teacher has walked by his desk and placed some checks on a couple of those criteria and some circles around some others. And he looks at where the checks are and he says, well, it looks like I'm really good at combining like terms. Okay. It looks like I'm really good at identifying the unknown quantity. Wow. That's what I'm good at. He looks up at him and the administrator begins to smile because these are great responses to the question. So he asks question number three. So what are you still working on, Johnny? What are you still working? He looks down at his checklist and he noticed there are some things that doesn't have a check by it. There are some things with some circles by it. And he looks at those circles and he goes, looks like I need to work a little bit on isolating the variable. Mm -hmm. It looks like I need to work on keeping the equation balanced. Okay. So these are great answers. And so the question has to be asked, Johnny, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in order to get better at those things that you are not that great at? Well, he looks down at a note from his teacher. And as he looks in that note by the one that circle that says keep equation balanced right next to it, it says, Johnny, pay attention to the sign of your number. Pay attention to the sign of your number. Just a little note that the teacher left as she was walking by. And so he looks up at his administrator and he says, I need to start paying attention to the sign that's on my number. You see, notice the responses, same student, same level of proficiency, but totally different responses. This is the power that success criteria can have towards demystifying student expectations so that even though they are not any brighter than they were three days ago, they are much better at articulating where they are and where they need to go. This yields one of John Hattie's highest effect sizes. That's the ability of knowing where they are, where they're going, and the next steps they need to take to get there. Simple strategy. Teachers, you could implement this tomorrow in your classroom. Go get some index cards. Go get some checklists. Put them down on the desk and help Johnny navigate his way to the grocery store. Wow. Personal GPS for Johnny. I love it. I'm just saying. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, that makes my heart happy. We started out talking about these heavy standards, and now I've got all the way down to the student where I'm going, this is doable. 
this is actionable. This is clear. This is not gobbledygook of, you know, I've got to tell him what the standard is. It's just, I've got to give him his personal pathway for success and articulate it in a way that he knows where he's going. And when he makes a left-hand turn, I know where I'm scooping in and telling him, pay attention to the signs. Yeah, so that was absolutely. it. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Wow. AT, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing this. It, it, uh, Kind of clears it up, makes it a little lighter. I hope it does for some of our listeners too. That standards are not the big bugaboo, um, that that we come to know them, but they're really our guideposts and our opportunity to add clarity to the whole process of teaching and learning. So, thanks for thanks for adding that in. Um, as always, uh, waiting for that dad joke. I don't know if you've had time yet today <laughs> in your in your always prepared with a dad about that so um, three by five maybe maybe it's on three by five (laughs) well i have to confess a little something on this uh this podcast um i have to confess that my wife and i have been having some struggles um as all marriages do we've been married for over 20 years and so we have our struggles and so recently um she came to me with about 14 reasons uh why she felt like she should leave me um, she ended her 14 with, and plus your obsession with tennis. And I said, excuse me, that's 15, love. I, I seriously don't know how to react to some of these today. So I, with that, <laughs> game, set, match. <laughs> I don't know. It's... Oh my gosh. I kill myself. I kill myself. I kill myself. And many people out there have already clicked off. Okay. So (laughs) thank you for tuning in to the PD in a pod. We hope you've enjoyed the time here. Always uh, share our content with other teachers um, and educators around who are passionate about teaching and learning. Uh, We thank you for your time and appreciate you. And we will see you soon. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of PD in a Pod. Now, head over to our website where you can access all of our podcast uploads, schedule a consultation, and check out our resources. As always, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues.